On today's episode, we're going to be talking about Gladiator 2, the Ridley Scott sequel to the Russell Crowe movie, apparently has added Pedro Pascal because, you know, he's not busy enough. The Oscars have implemented really restrictive new campaigning rules for their movies and performances. We'll talk about that in a little bit. With the Super Mario Brothers movie now being in the Billion Dollar Club, what other 2023 movies have a chance of getting in there? And we rank them in order of possibility. Uh, yeah, you know the Ezra Miller? Uh, yeah, the production designer for Flash says we're going to forget all about all the Ezra Miller controversies. Will we, though? Uh, the writer's strike is now on, and we're going to go over the key sticking points that the writers and the producers were not able to come to terms on. Apparently, there are reports going around that Margot Robbie was offered the role of Sue Storm. That and a whole bunch more. The John Campy Show starts right now. And salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Movie Related Show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show. Coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. I am, of course, your host, John Campion, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but giving you information and context so you can form your own well-informed decisions and opinions, whether they're the same or completely opposite from ours. I'm joined here today in the studio, of course, by Ray Orris back there. <laughs> Jen is back there. Jonathan is running the show. Chris Carr is here. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thanks for making this show part of your day, guys. And a couple things to let you know about. Number one, if you need your daily fix of the John Campia show, but you can't be in front of a YouTube video, maybe you're driving and commuting, you're on a treadmill or something. Good news. There is an audio-only version of the show that we simply call the John Campia Show Podcast. It is available on your favorite podcasting app of choice. Go search for it and subscribe to it today. Also want to let you guys know that this coming Sunday, myself, Greg Alba of Real Rejects, and of course, Christian Harloff are doing a live event. Once again, this is our second one in Burbank, California at the Flappers Comedy Club, where we're going to be talking about YouTubing and all that kind of stuff. But more, we're going to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 3. That'll give you guys a chance. Then come on out and meet us. Hang out with us as we talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. There's two ways to participate in this event. Number one. Get a ticket and come watch us live. If you live in the LA area, there's a ticket link down below. But there's also a ticket, a separate digital ticket link. If you don't live anywhere near LA and you want to watch a stream of it, there's a digital ticket link down below. We hope you guys will join us for that event. Once again, that's coming up on this Sunday. All right, guys. With all that down and out of the way, let's get things rolling here. And we're going to start off with this. You know, they talked for a while about a Gladiator 2. You remember that? And a few years ago, the first whisper started coming around. And the original idea was that Maximus, General Maximus, who had died, of course, at the end of the first gladiator, is up there with the Roman deities, and they decide to send him back. <laughs> and they were going to send him back. And that was the, the, the elevator pitch for Guardians, of, for Guardians of the Galaxy 2, for <laughs> Gladiator 2. <laughs> and uh, I love... Gladiator. I love that movie, but I was like, no, thank you. No, thank you. That is not a sequel I want. Well, then years passed. And then we heard a while ago again that Ridley Scott is still intent on making a Gladiator 2, but this time it was going to be changed up a little bit. This time it's going to be following Lucius, who is the little kid in the first Gladiator. It's now 30 years later and he's all grown up and they're going to pick it up from there. And then we said, okay, that could be interesting. 
Well, now it got more interesting because according to reports that are now out, Pedro Pascal, who is hot as fire right now, not just Last of Us and Mandalorian, but also did one of the best episodes of Saturday Night Live in a long time. What was it? Lisa from Temecula is still a <laughs> thing that makes me laugh myself sick. Well, apparently he is joining up with the Gladiator uh, cast as well, uh, which adds him to a growing and all-star cast. Take a look at this. So with Pedro Pascal reportedly joining up, he is joining Denzel Washington, who's got a, you know, a little bit of experience working with Ridley Scott. Paul Mescal, who's going to be playing the grown-up Lucius. Connie Nielsen is reportedly, and I haven't seen a confirmation of this, but there are reports saying that she will be returning again to play Lucius' mother, which is what she played in the original Gladiator. And Academy Award-nominated Barry Keoghan, of course, from Eternals, he was uh, the, briefly the Joker in the new Batman movie and uh, was just nominated for uh, the uh, Colin Farrell film. Why am I suddenly freezing uh, on the name? Banshees of Inner Sheeran. Banshees of Inner Sheeran, thank you. Where he was nominated <laughs> or, for that as well. And uh, he is, he's, apparently he's going to be playing Emperor Gaeta uh, in that as well. Look, Emperor Gaeta? This, I know Emperor Gaeta. <laughs> this this <laughs> to <the> me <laughs> tells me a couple of things. This tells me a couple of things. That the script for this yeah. must actually be pretty good. If you're getting Denzel Washington signing up for it, if you're getting, because yeah. listen, the thing about Pedro Pascal is you got to understand he's getting a thousand scripts to him sent every day. Not after today, because there won't be any more scripts, oh. but we'll talk about that oh, a little no. bit later. Oh. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But Pedro. you know, Pedro Pascal is getting, <laughs> Pedro is getting like thousands of scripts sent to him. He's getting producers calling his phones every five minutes, offering him roles. And for him to say, yes, this one interests me. Barry Keegan with, of course, an Academy Award nomination now. His career's on a big upward trajectory. Yes, I want to be a part of that. Uh, that gives me a little bit of confidence in this project. And of course, Ray will tell you the most important thing about this is being directed by the guy who directed The Martian. And that's all really anything that yep. Ray cares about. Yep. <laughs> he directed The Martian. So I think this sounds great. Chris, you heard this news that it looks like apparently it's not a final sign deal, but they're in final negotiations for him to join this thing. What do you think about Pedro Pascal and Gladiator 2? And, and does this tell you anything about the project itself? What do you think? Oh, yeah, I think it speaks volumes about the project that, you know, this is something that a whole bunch of Hollywood A-listers and heavy hitters want to be a part of, which makes sense because all of you love the original movie so much. I do want to say Rob and I have plans to watch this. He wants to show me this with his like Dolby Atmos and everything so I can finally watch Gladiator what? as it should be intended to be seen on a very large screen and everything. So all of you can stop being so mad at me for missing this as a child it is one of the great <laughs> it is truly one of the great motion pictures i only hear good things about it so i i am looking forward to look watching it finally um but i do think that this is a really really great boom for this right i mean pedro pascal is in everything right now he's doing murder mystery apps he's yeah. doing snl he is fantastic and having denzel in the mix too connie nielsen who i first really fell in love with honestly in uh law and order I'm really excited to have her on board, too, potentially. I, this is a really, really great cast. And by the way, I also mentioned there's rumors going around that I think are fairly credible that Jaimon Hansu <gasps> will also be returning to reprise his role from the original film. You probably didn't know. He I didn't know the, he was in it. He was in the oh. original film. Yes. That's uh, very exciting. And what will you say he's to great. your wife? That is none of your business. Uh, it, it's it's He's great. Jaimon is great in that, and apparently he's going to be returning as well. He's great in everything. Oh, Gosh, he's, so he's so good. good. You know, I first... He stars in what I think 
might be my favorite Steven Spielberg film, which is Amistad. Uh, and that's that's the first film I think anybody really... But I, I fell in love with Jaman Hansu in that film. But at, at any rate, guys, question is for you. It looks like Pedro Pascal is going to be joining up with Gladiator 2, adding to what is turning out to be an all-star cast, working with a Hall of Fame director. Has your anticipation for this project changed at all? I know I used to hate the idea of it, but I now cannot wait for it. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to this, shall we? You know, going into the most recent Oscars, uh, there arose a bit of a controversy, which was out of nowhere, actress uh, Andrea Risenborough got nominated for Best Actress at the Academy Awards. Now, the thing was, Risenborough did have any nominations in any of the other major things going in. And there was a big push by a lot of people who finally saw her movie. What was it called? To Leslie or Too Leslie? To Leslie. Uh, which I didn't see until this controversy came up. I thought, well, I better watch this movie. Apparently, it made like $85,000. Yeah, very small film. Yeah, at the box office, which means her family and friends went to go see it. And that's about it. But apparently, her performance was so good that finally when a bunch of celebrities and studio people saw it, they started raving about it. So I decided I'm going to watch this thing myself, see what Hoopla was about. And I came away from watching that saying, yeah, you're damn right. She deserves to be nominated for Best Actress this year. She just, she flat out deserves it. Period. End of sentence. She totally deserved it. That being said, it did raise a lot of questions at the time about were any campaigning rules broken? And the Oscar and the Academy Board of Governors d decided that no rules were broken. And so they let her nomination stand. But they said at the time, we are going to revisit our rules and regulations and, and make some changes to kind of make sure we don't have anything, you know, that looks uh, shady, if you will, again in the future. And that's what they said they were going to do. Well, the Academy has now come out. <clears throat> and released what I consider to be some very extreme and restrictive rules when it comes to you, if you are a voting member of the Academy, and there are about seven or 8,000 of them, many actors, actresses, writers, directors, producers, things like that. But if you are a voting member of the Academy, there are new rules you have to abide by that, like I said, are extremely restrictive. Let's take a look at some of them here. <laughs> First of all, if you're a voting member of the Academy, you can post on social media about movies and performances that you love, but you cannot mention voting or how you will vote or how other people will vote. So it used to be that I'm a voting member of the Academy, like, oh my God, I just saw this movie called Flowers with Tilda Lily. And my goodness, Elizabeth McCotton is so good in it. I am definitely going to vote for her for the Academy Award next year. You can't do that now. You can't do that. You can get on and say, I've watched Lilies of the Flower Bagooden, whatever I said the name of the movie was. Tilda Lily. It yeah, was a there, that, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> you can get on and say, I watched this movie and I loved it. You can do that. You can even say, I watched the performance of this particular actor or actress and I loved them in it. You can say that. You can say the costume design in this was brilliant. You can say that. But what you cannot do now, if you're a voting member of the Academy, any time during the year, is say, oh my goodness, Lilith Mongenheimer was so good in this movie. I can't imagine not voting for her when Oscar time. You can't do that now. 
So you can't make up names in movies then when you campaign. <laughs> yes, yes, you gotta you totally got been totally restricted. You can't do that now. So you you can't do that. You can still post on social media, but you cannot mention anything about voting, how you will vote, or how other people should vote. Also, you cannot discuss voting preferences in public forums. So if you're at a say a studio luncheon, you can't forget social media, you can't at the studio luncheon say, Hey, everybody, I, I, I think we really need to give a lot of consideration to Gloria Van Buten to, to get an award. No, you can't even do that in public forums. Also, you cannot publicly rank movies or performances in public in terms of that year's Oscar eligible films. So, like, if you're a voting member of the Academy, you can say, oh, yeah, my top five movies of all time, blah, blah, blah. What you cannot do is say, here are my top five movies of 2022. If if you are in the Academy year of 2022, you cannot rank eligible films. So I would automatically be disqualified from the Academy Awards uh, body. I can't do that. So that is another big restriction. Also, it continues. Not only that, but you cannot encourage other voting members to vote or not vote for any movie or category. This is independent of social media, of whatever you like, if if uh, Chris was also a voting member of the Academy, which I know you're a voting member of SAG, SAG. but I don't think you are of the Academy. No. But if she was, if she Chris really and I go out to lunch, <laughs> if Chris and I go out to lunch, I am not allowed to say to her privately, you know, Gloria Van Buten was really good. I, I really think you need to consider putting keeping voting for her on your ballot. Instead, I'm just gonna have to be like, la, 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 yep, no. exactly. You're not allowed to do it. You can't do that either. Also. You cannot privately encourage other voting members to vote or not vote for any particular movie or category. So any private correspondence, nothing like that. You can't do that at all. And here's where it gets, if you think, well, how would anybody know? Well, the Academy has set up a hotline email address <laughs> that has been set up Neighborhood for watch, both baby. <laughs> voting members and non-members can snitch on anyone yeah. they see breaking the rules. So if, if I was at lunch with Chris and I said, you know, Chris, I think Gloria Van Buten really needs your vote. Chris can go, well, John Campia voted. He said he told well, me. I let should. me pull up this Yahoo email. It, it's like what <laughs> is it called? Lying, though. It's called like um, campaign procedures at oscars.org or something something like that something really easy for people to remember yeah. yes perfect so and you don't even have to be another Concise. voting member of the academy you can be anybody and say hey i was sitting in a mcdonald's next to what i believe was john campion and chris carr and i heard john campion encouraging chris carr to vote for somebody i'm gonna rat him out you can do that you can do that now Let's so get them all. take this very seriously <laughs> mcdonald's huh also, the, the restrictiveness. Yeah, big spender. That's a story right That's there. That's a story. Forget the scandal. Big spender. Here's the other thing. Hosted screenings, special hosted screenings for movies used to be totally free and unlimited. You could do that if you want to. Now, at most, you're allowed to have four hosted screenings, pre-nomination announcements, and after nominations have been announced, you are not allowed to have any hosted screenings. So if I was a Hollywood type and I really liked Gloria Van Buten's movie, I could say, you know what, guys? Hey, listen, I can send a big email. I'm having, I'm organizing an event. I'm going to have this big party at my place, at my estate. Come on by. We're going to watch her movie all together. Not allowed to do that anymore. Cannot do that. I mean, you can do it before any nominations are allowed, but each movie can only have that done four times. If it exceeds four, you've broken the rules. And after the nominees are announced, you're not allowed to do it at all. 
Also, it's not just the average members, it's the actual governors of the academy have new rules for themselves as well. Oscar governors cannot endorse any film or category between when shortlists are announced and final voting is done. So if you're a member of the Board of Governors of the Oscars, you can't say, hey man, I really like that movie. I mean, you can do that before the shortlists come out, but once shortlists come out, you can't mention anything. Can't say a damn thing. So what kind of happens if you do? Well, there are consequences. If you break any of these rules, penalties for violations may include, but are not limited to, suspending or revoking mailing house and communication privileges, revoking privileges to attend Academy events, disqualifying a motion picture, performance, or achievement for awards consideration, rescinding an Oscar nomination, revoking voting privileges, suspending Academy membership, and expelling a member for the Academy all over a lunch at McDonald's over some McNuggets. These are the potential categories. These are the potential consequences. They're taking this very seriously because what something the Academy apparently does not like and does not want is to have their integrity put into question. So they are going, I think a little too far, maybe a little too restrictive here, but they're trying to protect their integrity, I guess. Chris, as as a voting member of another organization in the mm-hmm. entertainment industry, the Screen Actors Guild yourself, yeah. you take a look at this. I mean, clearly this is in response to the Andrea Risenborough situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, common sense, too extreme. Uh, how does this measure up with, with maybe some rules or guidelines with SAG? I, I don't know. What do you think of all this? This feels very extreme. And I stand by, too. I don't think that Andrew getting a nomination was the big kerfuffle. I think Danielle Detweiler not getting a nomination and someone like, you know, um, Michelle getting one for... Uh, Everything uh, Everywhere? No, um, the other one. Michelle from... Uh, I can't think of her last name right now. Michelle Williams. Oh, okay. Because, um, one, that wasn't a lead actress role. And, two, I don't think that was a particularly strong performance given like the body of her work um but i think this is kind of ridiculous especially from a sag standpoint i mean we go to a lot of events and screenings right throughout award season to go watch these to have people campaign because that's part of the oscars too is there is an oscar campaign that goes on with it there's media that promotes it the actors themselves promote it there's lots of parties and things like that just like any kind of you know voting race you always have these kinds of events to raise awareness about the people who are up for these awards or these nominations or et cetera. So for SAG, you know, we we treat it like the Oscars where we do the ballot game a lot of times too, right? Of, oh yeah, I definitely voted for Michelle Yeoh. I'm so glad that she won. So is that going to be a weird thing now where I'm not <laughs> supposed to do that? I, it doesn't make any sense to me because I feel like in real life too, you can always keep who you're voting for about anything to yourself. You never have to tell anyone who you're voting for in in any walk of life. However, I don't understand why you speaking freely to a friend privately is is that big of an issue because I don't see any world in which me sitting down with you, right, and being like, listen, here's why you're wrong about this. <laughs> and Which is and a daily occurrence. It is yes. a daily occurrence, <laughs> but and it's it's an argument I rarely win. <laughs> But it's usually not something where I'm going to change hearts and minds because I give an impassioned speech about why this performance is the best one ever. Film is subjective. So I feel like the voting process, you know, it's going to be a very subjective process. It feels very, very strange to me to put these regulations in, mostly because of a film that people didn't really know about. I found this to be a pretty cool thing that happened, honestly, of, hey, this little film 
with a shoestring budget that barely made any money, still got some notoriety. And is some of that because of people knowing her and campaigning for her? Absolutely. But then this incredible performance got to be seen by so many people. And I feel like that's what every filmmaker ultimately wants is even if you are a indie filmmaker making tiny, tiny films, that they will still have these incredible performances that have the potential of making this kind of impact. So this just feels like a weird thing to be focusing on. I feel like there's a lot of other issues in Hollywood we could be directing our focus to instead of this. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Are you thinking, you know what? Good for the Academy, putting in some strict, strict rules about this sort of stuff. Are you thinking, yeah, this seems to be like swinging the pendulum a little too far. The other this seems kind of restrictive. I, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. All right, guys. With that down. Let's get on now to our Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. If you guys have a question for our show and you'd like to hear your voice on our show, go ahead and call our hotline number anytime at 951-268-4259. We'll pick one or two out every day and address them here on the show. And today's is about the Billion Dollar Club. Check it out. Hey, John and crew. Love you guys. Guess what, John? You were right. Super Mario Brothers made a billion. Now I'm wondering... Are we going to see another movie make a billion this year? And if so, which movie do you think? Thanks, guys. Love you. All right, man. Thanks a lot for calling that in. And yeah, of course, we talked about the other day. Super Mario Brothers movie became the 11th animated film in history to join the Billion Dollar Club. As of yesterday, it was the number 11 biggest animated film of all time. I'm going to have to check the numbers later today, but I'm sure it's probably jumped up to like number seven or number six already today. It'll probably climb up as high as five, four or three. At any rate, so that became kind of the first one that broke the seal, if you will. The billion dollar cherry of 2023 oh. has been busted as Super Mario Brothers <laughs> has defiled that flower. And oh now my. we are looking at what other, that was a, that was a terrible analogy. It sounded what? better what? in my head. Oh. Sounded better in my head. Didn't come out the way I wanted it to. That's at any better rate. in your head. <laughs> really? <laughs> I didn't think about it long, okay? <laughs> Maybe if I'd given it some more consideration. But. <laughs> All right. I got that one later. I usually get things head? really late. <laughs> So we now turn our attention to what are the other movies this year that have a chance of joining that billion dollar club? And I think a couple can. And what I've done is I put together a list and I put them in order of least likely to most likely. If any other films are going to join a billion, I think a few of them will. These are the 10 that I think have a chance and I have them in order. So let's take a look at this. <clears throat> I think at number 10 is Oppenheimer. I, again, I, that's the lowest one on this list, but I think it has an outside chance if it is as good as it looks. Because, man, at CinemaCon, they showed us some more Oppenheimer. That Shit. movie looks incredible. It looks so good. Oh. It looks so good. So uh, that one, again, but I've got all the way down to number 10. At number nine is The Hunger Games, uh, a song of... Song of Ballads of Birds and Pops. Ballad of Songbirds snakes and Snakes. and Ladders. What is it again? <laughs> a Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Songbirds and Snakes, yes. And again, they showed us some more of that at CinemaCon. And you know what? I Before I would say, nah, but the reality is, man, a lot of people watch that trailer when they put it online. And I, I think it would be a mistake for me and, and anybody to underestimate just how popular this franchise is. Again, I'll still have it lower on the list. And number eight is Aquaman. Now, you might wonder, why don't you put that higher in its chances? 
than number eight. I would say that, yes, while the first one did break a billion dollars, DC is not in a great situation right now. They're not in a great condition at the moment. And maybe the Flash can help turn that around. Um, but I think with all that and people have just kind of given up on the DC universe for now until they can get things restarted in 2025 with Superman Legacy. I, but yet I still have Aquaman on the list. I still think it's got a shot. It did make a billion dollars before. So I've got it as the eighth most likely one to make a billion. And number seven is the Marvels. Much like Aquaman, the last one made over a billion dollars. Uh, and I think people underestimate uh, the power of this thing. Again, not high on the list. I've got it down as the seventh most likely to hit a billion dollars. And the number six spot is Dune 2. John, why not hire? Everybody's looking forward to this movie. Won six Academy Awards, all that kind of stuff. True, but it only made, what, 300 and something million dollars? Man. I mean, Ray, maybe you can double check that for me. How much did the first Dune oh, make? Oh, right, right. It was three, I think it was <laughs> 300 and something. Now, 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 granted, it was during... 402 million? 402 million is how much it made? Is that really how much it made? 402. Okay, so it did get over the 400 mark. You're doing other things, Ray. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> so... I, now, granted, that was back when AT&T still owned Warner Brothers and Jason Kalar was the CEO and he made the idiot decision to release movies on HBO Max and theaters on the same day. So that hurt it. Um, so I think it's got a it's got a chance. It's got a chance at number six, most likely. And number five is Little Mermaid. And you know what? It, to be honest with you, this might need to be a little bit higher. They showed us an entire musical scene. And I think when they release that scene to the public, I think they're going to sell a lot more tickets. Um, they, they showed a scene, the entire sequence of Melissa McCarthy singing Poor Unfortunate Souls. And it was pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. it, I, I'm not a Little Mermaid guy at all, but it, it looked pretty fantastic. And they showed us during that absolutely shitty Disney presentation at CinemaCon. Uh, but hey, that was definitely one of the highlights. Them, them, Disney totally crapped the bed at CinemaCon, but <laughs> that scene, have I emphasized that Disney really, really dropped the ball at their CinemaCon presentation? Anyway, but that, <laughs> that being said, life. that scene was a really good scene. And again, as somebody who's not a Little Mermaid guy, it made me sit up and pay attention. So I think it's the fifth most likely. The fourth most likely is Guardians of the Galaxy 3. People love Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and... I, I wouldn't I can't put it any higher than number four, but having seen the film, I know it's it's a really good movie. I don't think it's quite as good as Guardians of the Galaxy One. It's a big improvement over Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Um, it's delightful. It's fun. It's it's emotional. There's a <laughs> Chris tears. I oh, there's gonna be a scene where Chris is gonna be in absolute tears. Why does it bring you so much joy? So much that I'm gonna cry. It gives me joy because good I tears? know you're gonna have that powerful experience okay and and that makes me happy okay i just wanted to make sure it wasn't schadenfreude no, i was like no, no, why no, do no. you want me to suffer no 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 no. it's a powerful positive experience okay will, you know, oh well I, that's nice thanks bud i think you're i think you're going to really enjoy that uh, at number three now we get into the ones that i these are the ones that i that i would put five bucks on that these three will make a billion dollars i think mission impossible uh dead reckoning part one they they showed us 20 minutes of the movie <laughs> it's it's fun. And by the way, you got back-to-back -back movies there with Palm Clementif. Uh, of course, she plays Mantis in Guardians of the Galaxy 3. And I didn't realize she's one of the bad guys 
in this, and uh, she looks badass yeah. in, the, in the scene they showed us. It was pretty incredible. And number two is Indiana Jones. Still to this day, every time I go into a movie theater and they play trailers, this is the one that gets the biggest pop. Uh, I think this is a good chance. Again, all of these are based, are contingent upon whether the movies are any good or not. Because if we go see this movie, like one of these movies, like Mission Impossible, we, it's a big bag of dog crap. Well, then, then it's not going to make a billion dollars. But so this is all things being considered equal. So number two, Indiana Jones. And I think the most likely film to cross the billion dollar mark is probably Fast 10. Uh, it is a movie that was still kind of in the pandemic a bit when it came out. It was a totally shit movie, Fast 9, and yet it still almost managed to get to $800 million. And that was being a big bag of crap in the pandemic. This movie, Fast 10, looks really good. I'm very excited about seeing Fast 10, and I think that is the most likely to join the Billion Dollar Club. So again, in order, I think the 10th most likely is Oppenheimer, number nine, Hunger Games, number eight, Aquaman, number seven, The Marvels, number six, Dune 2, number five, The Little Mermaid, number four, Guardians 3, number three, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, part one, number two, Indiana Jones, and number one, Fast 10. Chris, you you see my list here in front of you. Okay. How would you move things around? Are there any movies that you think have a solid shot maybe of making a billion that I didn't put on the list? Where what do you the think? hell is Barbie? Where's Barbie on you this You really list? think Barbie can make a billion? I think Barbie has potential. It's weird. I think Barbie can make some good money. I I can't see making a billion. I just feel like if we're going to put some of these others on here, that Barbie has a fighting chance. I would move Little Mermaid up a bit more just because I do think it's got a huge audience. The footage we saw is great. You may not be wrong. You may be right. I think that's a pretty big contender. Um, And then I do have higher hopes for Dune. And I say this as somebody who didn't love the first one, but I know people are ravenous about Dune. It was beautiful. It's such spectacle. And everything they said at CinemaCon about it too did make me more excited about this one of getting into that action, really getting to the meat and potatoes of this story. So I think there's a lot of room for that on here, especially since, you know, most of us, myself included, watch the first Dune streaming because it was right there. So I just did it that way. I think a lot of people will run out to theaters for that one, too. So I just shuffle, I think, those few things around there and then I'd potentially add on Barbie. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about that? What do you think of the most likely contenders to join that billion dollar club that Mario has kind of instituted and kicked off for the year of 2023? Oh, shit. Spider-Verse. What's that? Spider-Verse. I don't think Spider-Verse has any chance of making a billion dollars. You don't think so? No, I think it could be the best movie of the year, but I don't think it's any chance of making Uh, uh, a billion. Strays. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot wait for Strays. They showed us a little more of it at CinemaCon. It's like, like it was even funnier than the stuff we had seen before. Anyway, guys, what do you think about the list? Uh, what did I leave some off? Do you think I have some ranked a little bit too high? How would you rearrange the list? Jump down into the comments below and leave me your list there. All right, guys, listen. We still have a number of things to cover, including the production designer of Flash saying we're going to forget all about Ezra Miller's controversies, uh, that the Marvel has apparently, there's a rumor going around that they've offered the role of Sue Storm to Margot Robbie, the writer strike. What were those sticking points that caused the strike to happen? We're going to talk about all that stuff. But before we get to it, we're going to take just a moment here and thank a couple of the sponsors of today's episode of the John Campia Show, our friends at Honey and HelloFresh. Today's episode of The John Campy Show is brought to you by Honey, the easy way to save when shopping on your iPhone or computer. 
Guys, more and more, we enjoy shopping online, whether it's on our phones or our computers. And how many times have you gotten to the checkout and seen that promo code box and thought, man, if I only had a promo code, I could save some money. Well, thanks to Honey, manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past. Honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. So here's the situation. You're shopping online on one of your favorite sites. And when you go to checkout, the Honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Then just wait a few seconds as Honey works its magic and searches for coupons it can find for that site that you're on. And if Honey finds working coupon, just watch the price drop. Recently, Ann and I were hanging out at home one evening and we decided to order in and the Honey button appeared. I was able to apply a coupon and I actually saved like six or seven bucks. It was that easy to use. And Honey doesn't just work on your desktop computer. It also works on your iPhone. Just activate it on Safari on your phone and save on the go. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this show. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash campia. That's joinhoney.com slash campia. Guys, we want to take a second to thank a sponsor of today's show, HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it's America's number one meal kit. When the spring sunshine is calling your name, don't call for takeout. Get HelloFresh instead. Their quick and easy meals make feeding the family and yourself a cinch and without the high price tag. Their new fast and fresh options are ready in just 15 minutes or less. And guys, don't worry about it if you're not exactly a pro in the kitchen. HelloFresh's foolproof recipes arrive pre-portioned and easy to prepare in just a few steps. You guys know Ann and I have been using HelloFresh for a long time now, and we absolutely love it. Both of us being working professionals, it's often difficult for us to find time to make dinner together. But with HelloFresh, it's easy, it's fun, and it's absolutely delicious. So go to HelloFresh.com Campia16 and use the code Campia16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 using the promo code for 16 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And thank you to our friends at Honey and HelloFresh for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Remember, guys, when you go and check out and support our sponsors, and they are great, you're actually supporting us. So if you look down in the description of this video, you'll find links and promo codes to all of today's sponsors. And again, thank you to Honey and HelloFresh. Uh, before we keep going here, I just got a really cool email. But it's... Okay, so some of you may or may not know, I... Back in 20, the last part of 2022, I made a decision that I no longer accept any press invitations to anything. I don't do interviews. I don't go to screenings. I don't accept any press stuff whatsoever. But every once in a while, something, and I, and I asked all the studios to take me off their press list, but they still send me crap. But every once in a while, something will come through that I go, ooh, that's tempting. I don't do it, but it's tempting. So they're getting ready to launch the... Uh, the digital exclusive for uh, Avatar The Way of Water. And to help promote the digital release of it, uh, they've invited me. They're going to do this special day tomorrow where they're going to take all the underwater coaches and they're going to take us to this giant tank and actually have us reenact some of the stuff they do in the movie under the water with the coaches and who, who choreographed all the underwater stuff. And I'm like, that's tempting. That, set up, John. It's, know, set up. it's a setup because you know what's going to happen. They're going to drown me. They're gonna drown. <laughs> Bob Iger's going to no. come out and just put his hand on top yeah, of my head and drown gonna me. What's going to happen is James Cameron will be there. There's going to be a damn door floating in the water. He's going to make all of you try to get two people on that door. 
<laughs> see? See, you can't do it. Can't do it. Can't get two people on the door. You should go to that. That's I, amazing. I can't. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna break my rule. I That's, no longer go to any I'll nope, I don't rule. accept yeah. any press stuff. Have one of us break your rule. <laughs> but it's I don't think I We just, know I do a flawless John Campia impression. <laughs> I know that you do. However, I'm so sorry uh, I'm late. These things aren't transferable. <laughs> Invites aren't transferable, but Every again, every once in a while, something comes through that makes me go, "Oh, that's tempting." But that that looks pretty cool. Anyway, so you'll probably see some videos popping up of some other uh, online people going to this oh, thing. Man. But uh, oh, it do, it does look cool. Anyway, that all down, guys. People. Let's get in to our next story here, and that one is this. I don't know if you've heard, but uh, Ezra Miller's had some controversies. Who's what? Ezra Miller? Who's <laughs> Ezra Miller? <laughs> And then uh, a little bit of controversies, some uh, shaking of the cart, a little bit, if you will. <laughs> Ezra Miller's been in a little bit of trouble. Uh, but they got this new movie coming out called Flash. Hmm. Now, uh, me and Ray had a chance to watch Flash this week. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to tell you, it's great. It's great. It's not the greatest comic book film of all time, like, some people over at Warner Brothers were kind of holding it up to be, but it's great. I had a wonderful time watching it. Um, and I think a lot of people are going to be really happy with the film. Now, that doesn't mean I've forgotten about uh, any of this controversies surrounding Ezra Miller, but apparently somebody connected to the film, the production designer of Flash, is saying that this movie is so good, audiences will totally forget all about Ezra Miller's crimes. Totally forgotten. What? What was that? Never heard of it. Never heard of any problems with Ezra Miller. Actually, all crimes in the world will be expunged. <laughs> it, yeah, oh, it's, that, yeah, that's the power of Flashpoint mm -hmm. that's going to happen. Okay. Clean slate. So this comes to us from the folks over at CBR who, who wrote the following. The Flash's production designer, Paul Osterberry, believes Ezra Miller's performance on the screen will make fans forget the actor's off-screen behavior. Talking to CBC, that's the Canadian broadcast company, for anybody who's keeping score, Osbury said Miller did such a superb job that people will forget all the negative press the actor accumulated in the last couple of years. He stressed Miller's dedication and professionalism while being under a lot of pressure. I wonder why pressure was there. Osbury pointed out Miller uh, had to play two different versions of the character, switching roles every few days. According to the production designer, who won an Academy Award for The Shape of Water, Miller had only three days off during the entire shoot. They filmed six days a week and spent one in stunt rehearsals. Uh, it's sorry. That's it's hidden by my graphic there, Jonathan. Oh. It, it has been reported earlier that Miller did their own stunts for the flash. All right. Let me say a couple things here. Um, I have always liked Ezra Miller in this role. I know that's not popular, a popular opinion, but it's true. I've always thought Ezra Miller I love the personality Ezra Miller has brought to this character. And I know it's it's a little more loose and a little more boyhood-like, if you will, that, that some people wanted it to be. I, for one, thought this rendition of Barry Allen is very charming, and, and I like it a lot. And I think Ezra Miller is a terrific performer, and this movie is great. And Ezra does a great job in it. <laughs> that being said. I'm not forgetting. I'm not forgetting everything. <laughs> there are no Ezra Miller controversies. Well done, Jonathan. Well done. There are no Ezra Miller controversies. 
I feel like I, you can bow and walk out now. I, My job here is done. <laughs> I didn't forget. I'm somebody who likes Ezra Miller as a performer very much. I'm somebody who likes Ezra as Barry Allen. I'm somebody who loves this movie. But once the screen goes dark and the credits start to roll, I am no less very, very much aware of the Ezra Miller controversies. And so should you. And lest we forget, because these are all things that I have not forgotten. I have to ask the question when the production diner says, we're going to forget. I have to ask, will we? Will we forget? In case you've gotten a little thing, it's hard to forget. And here's a little timeline we slapped together. April 2020, video surfaces that appeared to show Miller choking a woman in a bar in, Finland, in Iceland. I'm not going to try to pronounce that name. Uh, the woman Reykjavik. involved did not... What's that? Reykjavik. Reykjavik. Yeah. That is how you say it. Yeah. You're right. Reykjavik, Iceland. The woman involved did not press charges and Miller apologized for the incident. Now, it should be pointed out that this was the only incident on this list that happened prior to the shooting of the movie Flash, prior to production beginning. And I remember at the time when that happened and we saw the video. Now, look, this was not an Undertaker situation where he grabbed a woman by the throat, lifted her eight inches off the ground, and then slammed her down to the concrete. If you've seen the video, you know what we're talking about. Still, it was egregious enough that I felt at the time, I am totally cool if they fire Ezra right now from The Flash, but I'm also cool if they don't consider this serious enough that they need to fire them because I saw the video. You saw the video by now. It's like, it's distasteful. And it's something they should have addressed. But again, this is back when Warner Brothers was under the ownership of AT&T and they didn't even address it. It was totally dropped the ball. But at the time I said, look, I, I think they could totally fire Ezra and I'm good with that. But if they put Ezra out on an apology tour and address this and whatever, then maybe, maybe you could salvage this. I, I don't know. But that was then. Then they went ahead and started shooting the movie. And that's when the fun began. Mm -hmm. In March of 2022... Ezra Miller was arrested in Hawaii on charges of disorderly conduct and harassment after they allegedly got into a fight with a couple at a karaoke bar. They were released on bail the following day. In April of 2022, Miller was arrested again in Hawaii on charges of a second-degree assault after they allegedly threw a chair at a woman at a private party. They were released on bail the following day. May of 2022, Ezra breaks into a Stanford, uh, Vermont. Is that what VT is? You Americans? Mm -hmm. VT? Vermont? Okay. Yeah. Vermont House stealing alcohol and was charged with three counts of burglary, petite larceny, and trespassing. In June of 2022, a Massachusetts family filed a restraining order against Miller, alleging that the actor had been grooming their 18-year-old child. The order was granted, and Miller was ordered to stay away from the family. Also in June of 2022, a mother and 12-year-old child were granted a protective order against Miller. The mother alleges menacing behavior towards a child, and that when the child was 11, the actor threatened the mother while brandishing a gun and referred to the child as an elevated being. I've never been called that. Uh, also in June of 2022, Rolling Stone and New York Post reported that Miller was housing a mother and three children aged one through five in a house that was quote unquote filled gun and drug filled. Video showed eight assault guns, some piled up beside children's toys. A report claimed that the one-year-old had a bullet in her mouth. Uh, children were playing in weed smoke filled rooms with no ventilation. August of 2022, a couple in Vermont filed a restraining order against Miller, alleging that the actor had harassed them and stolen their firearms. The order was granted and Miller was ordered to stay away from the couple and their children. In January of 2023, Ezra Miller pled guilty to trespassing and is sentenced to one year probation as a suspended 90-day sentence for the May of 2022 charges. 
Has anybody forgotten? Has anybody forgotten? I haven't forgotten. Look, I... This is not an either-or situation. It's not either you hate everything that has to do with this or you love everything that has to do with this. Look, I am of both worlds. I have one foot in the world of, hey, I think Ezra's a great performer. And I think Ezra does great as Barry Allen and does a very good job in this Flash movie. But make no mistake about it. Ezra Miller needs to go when it comes to Flash. I get it. The vast, vast, vast majority of that list all happened after they had already shot the movie. I get it. I've never held that against Warner Brothers. I do hold it against AT&T's Warner Brothers that the, the initial incident happened and they never said anything about it. And because AT&T, who owned Warner Brothers at the time, said nothing, did nothing, Ezra's behavior was allowed to continue unfettered. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say somebody could have gotten killed. They didn't. They didn't. Let's be clear. Nobody did. But be, And I remember at the time, I remember Rob and I were talking about this when it was going on. And we were like, if AT&T doesn't step up and do some accountability and hold Ezra accountable and, and do something about this, this could get out of hand. Well, did that laundry list not suggest that maybe things then did indeed go on to get out of hand? Look, I get it. And there's a lot of people out there, some very skeptical people saying, you know what, no matter what, if Flash makes money, Warner Brothers is going to keep Ezra on. And that is a possibility. But I've got to believe that this new ownership of Warner Brothers, who inherited this problem, by the way, this is the current ownership of Warner Brothers. This was a problem they inherited from AT&T. But I have to choose to believe that David Zaslav, that James Gunn, that Peter Safran are not going to be ignorant morons. That they're going to say, listen, the movie was shot. We, we finished the movie. It is, but Ezra can't be our Flash anymore. And I, I'm not saying, I'm not sitting here telling you, we've been over this before. I'm not sitting here telling you that I think Ezra Miller should be done, period. Should never have another acting job for the rest of their lives. Uh, no, listen, I love a good redemption story as much as anybody after accountability after and uh, for me as somebody who loves this flash movie man i love it i'm sorry mr production designer i have not forgotten and i don't think a lot of people are going to forget and uh i, I this is not just going to go away at least i really hope because i am going to purse i'm not going to lose i'm not going to be one of these things i'm not, not going to lose all respect for whatever but i'll lose a lot of respect for David Zaslav, who I'm a big fan of, I'm going to lose a lot of respect for James Gunn, who I'm a massive fanboy of. I'm going to lose a good degree of respect for these people if when all this is said and done, they don't move on from Ezra Miller. Because ultimately, I also think that's what is best for Ezra Miller. We saw what happened when Ezra was not held accountable before, and I just think it needs to happen. Anyway, Chris... Uh, you heard the comments from the mm -hmm. production designer saying we're going to forget all about this. I just ran down a little bit of a laundry list, but I, I don't know. What bit. is your response to those comments? I mean, a very unfortunate way of phrasing this, mm. because there's so many other ways you could phrase this. Of This is a great film where while you're in here, you'll be immersed in the world of Barry Allen. Those sorts I could of get things, on board right? with that. That yep. makes sense to me because my, my husband got a chance to see this and, you know, not the biggest Ezra Miller fan and said, yeah, there are great moments in this film where they're really, really moving and emotional and a lot of great stuff happens in this movie. But 
when you look at that list of allegations and everything, it's not something that's forgettable. And and I want to be clear, too, because some people keep bringing up other people in the past who have had these kind of redemption stories in real life. You know, the Robert Downey Jr.'s of the world or other things. I, I definitely, my heart goes out to people who struggle with mental illness and substance abuse. That's a very big and personal issue in my family. Someone I'm very close to in my family has suffered with those things multiple times with multiple rehab stints. And I'm all for someone getting the help they need and bettering themselves in that way. That's not what we're completely talking about, though, is it? We're talking about allegations of child grooming, abuse, really, really serious things that may have been exacerbated by mental health issues, may have been exacerbated by drug and alcohol use. But I don't think those are excuses. They're potential explanations for certain behaviors or certain enablers for things. And it's not the same. It's not the same as somebody harming themselves and doing a disservice to themselves as it is committing crimes against other people, allegedly. That's the thing that's very different here and something that makes it not forgettable. So if these things do come to light where, hey, nothing actually happened, everything is, is totally fine, that's one story. But if these allegations are, are true and confirmed, this is not somebody who I want to go back to movie theaters and see. And, you know, it, it's not my job to virtue signal and tell you what to watch or what not to watch. I'm going to see this movie. I work at a movie news show. I'm going to see it because it'd be ridiculous for me to not weigh in on Wait, a movie. Did you just acknowledge that this movie exists? I did finally. Wow. I know. Wow. It took all of you watching it. But, they, <laughs> you know, I've heard some mixed things about Batman and Flashpoint and I need to see him for myself. So I think at the end of the day, yes, you can separate the artist from the art, that sort of thing. But when it comes to forgetting atrocities committed by people, if they happened, one good movie does not make you guiltless. You know, you, you brought up the Robert Downey Jr. situation. I think that's a great example because Robert Downey Jr. said it saved his life that he got fired. Yeah. Remember, he he had his initial, initial run with stuff. He pretty much lost his career. And then Ally McBeal came along. And he kind of got a second chance. And then, and he was great on Ally McBeal. And then all of a sudden they fired him out of nowhere. And it turned out he was, you know, back with the drugs and all that kind of stuff. And they fired him and he had lost his career again for a while. But Robert Downey Jr., when he talks to me, he said, that saved his life. That saved his life. And so after taking accountability and after having some consequences for their actions, and Robert Downey Jr.'s actions were really only against himself. But after that, then he was able to come back and, 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 and excel and succeed and have a thriving, fantastic career after that. And as long as no accountability is ever really done for Ezra, I don't think Ezra's going to have the same story that Robert Downey Jr. was able to have. But if they do, I think they can. I think that possibility exists for Ezra Miller. But not if everybody just continues to go, oh, look, everybody, shiny new movie. Forget about everything else. As long as you do that, I, I think it's always going to be on the razor's edge. But who, what do I know? That, that's just my kind of opinion of this. Guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? The production designer of Flash saying, everybody's going to forget all about the Ezra stuff. I, I, I don't think so. And I think you can both be a big fan of Ezra Miller and their talent, but at the same time demand that, listen, there's got to be some accountability here. They, they can no longer be the Flash. Anyway, whatever you guys think about this, we can all have different opinions about this. That doesn't make us you know, opposed to each other, but we all have different thoughts. What are your thoughts on this? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. All right, guys, with that down, 
Let's move on to this, shall we? Well, it's uh, it's no longer theoretical. It's not a maybe could happen. It's on. It's on. The writer strike is on. The the Hollywood writers, which hasn't happened in what fifteen years. The people who write our movies and television shows, uh, who really bring these things to life, they are now on strike. And it was something that I had had a lot of hope and thought that they could avoid, but apparently they couldn't. So yesterday was the deadline when the current contract, the collective bargaining agreement between the producers of Hollywood and the Writers Guild Association was set to expire. And apparently they all negotiated right down to the 11th hour. And they tried to get something done, but there were a couple of things. Well, first of all, there were a few things they were able to come to some agreements on, but a couple of key things that they were miles apart on that have kept them from making an agreement and has led to now a writer strike, which means soon you're going to start feeling it. Shows that are in production, shows that are getting ready to go into production, all these things, everything's going to be canceled unless you're able to come up with a deal. So <laughs> there are, look, contract negotiations are complex and deep and, technicalities, but there are a couple of key issues here that I thought that we should look at, that these are kind of, while there's a million issues, these seem to be, from the reports that I'm reading, the key sticking points that prevented the writers and the producers from coming to an agreement, and I don't know how they're going to bridge this gap. Here's a couple of them. The Writers Guild of America wants a minimum 6 to 12 person writing staff per show. They understand how much work is required for these shows, how much creativity is required for these shows, and they believe they need to have a minimum that the studio should employ a rule that there is a minimum, six to 12 writing staff, all depending on how long the show is. The longer the show, the more staff. Now, apparently, the producers are so against this, they didn't even give a counterproposal. Like, normally in negotiations, like Ray may say to me, hey, John, I would like uh, McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> I would like Oscars. one week of McDonald's. Yeah. Now, heard- in negotiations, I might come back to them and say, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. I'll give you three days of McDonald's, right? That's normally what happens. Offer, counteroffer. Mm-hmm. But apparently, the producers were so against this, having any kind of a writer's room minimum, that they just didn't even bother giving a counterproposal. They just said, nope. Because the Writers Guild of America, they're accusing the producers of saying they right, they're saying the producers, they just want all writers to be freelance. They don't actually want to have writers as employees, as actual important people on productions. They just want to use them as freelance. And the fact that they're not willing to even counteroffer the idea of a minimum staff, writing staff for shows, speaks to that. So that's the one thing they're really far apart on. The next thing is the Writers Guild of America wants a guaranteed minimum number of weeks of employment per season, ranging from 10 weeks to 52 weeks, depending on the nature of the show. Again, this was one of the proposals that the producers refused to even give a counter to because they want to treat the writers as freelance. They don't want to have to say, okay, we're going to bring you on to work on our show and give them a minimum number of weeks of work. They're saying, nah, you're expendable. So... We just want to, you know, treat your freelance. Again, the producers are so stuck on this, they did not even counter. Now, at the end of the day, the Writers Guild of America put out a statement that basically says their proposals would cost 
$429 million a year, but the studio's counteroffers would only cost the producers $86 million a year. That's more, that's almost five times. It's almost five times the difference from what the writers are asking for. Again, this is, if the Writers Guild is saying, if you take all of our proposals and what we've presented to the producers, it would cost them at the end of the day, 429 million additional dollars a year. And the producers are only seen willing to change by $86 million. Again, there are other issues in these contract negotiations, but according to all the trades, these are the three main sticking points. And until they get movement on these three, this could be a very long, painful for the entire industry writer strike. Anyway, Chris, as a union member yourself, a union who you guys are getting ready to go into negotiations yep. with the producers as well for the SAG contracts. Mm -hmm. You see what happened? Does anything surprise you? What's standing out to you? Are these maybe not that big of a deal? Are these bridges that can be gapped? Are they really as far apart as they look? What do you think? I mean, they're bridges that need to be mended. Absolutely. Uh, our union sent out a email this morning too, talking about how we're standing in solidarity with uh, the WGA, you know, encouraging all of us to go stand on the picket line with them and everything too. A, a few actors I know are doing that today and tomorrow, um, Thursday over at Universal as well. So a lot of that's going on. I, I just want to be clear because some people still have this idea of, oh, well, they'll just get new writers. They'll get better writers who have better, you know, work ethics or things like that. That's not what's being talked about here. These aren't people who are demanding buckets of money. They're demanding basic living wages, essentially. Um, Alex and by the way, the, the writers in the WGA, make mm -hmm. no mistake about it, anybody who thinks they know something, yeah. these are the best writers in the world. Yeah. Like, these are the greatest writers in the world. Not all of them are, but the best writers in the world are part of the WGA. Anyway. Exactly. Alex O'Keefe, who won an Emmy for writing for The Bear, really amazing, critically acclaimed show that happened this past year, right? Astounding. He took to Twitter and was talking about how when he was working as a staff writer, he was still broke. He was still on Medicaid. The studio would not fly him out to L.A., so he's working out of his apartment in Brooklyn. When the power would go out, he'd have to go to a library to work with all of them. Uh, his heat was out during that. And I believe he also then had to like thrift his bow tie and had like no money in his bank account when he was accepting that Emmy. These are not glitzy, glamorous jobs. They very much are gig economy kind of jobs right now. And when you think about how much time and energy goes into writing a show, these staff writers, when you work freelance, typically you're doing billable hours, right? Now, some people could argue a billable hour doesn't make you particularly productive. But when you're a staff writer, you are treated essentially as a salary employee and you are writing for hours and hours and hours. You are there all day, all night until things are done. If they need new uh, scripts, new pages, you are doing that. It is a endless and often thankless job. So for them to just want to be paid adequately to get rid of this mini room nonsense, right? Where we have just a few writers, a handful of them trying to scribble out pages and not pay them their actual day rate, which already isn't good is is kind of astounding to me you can't have great stories without a storyteller this is the bare minimum for excellent quality television and film if you want to have great stories you have to have great scripts and how do you get those you get them from great writers so why don't we treat them like great writers why do we treat them like incredibly disposable individuals and again, I'm sure there are some people who will say, well, you can always find another writer. There's all kinds of people trying to break into the industry constantly. I hear you. I understand that. 
But when you actually see the day-to-day earnings and livings of successful writers, it makes you question how this industry is run and where this money is going to, frankly. I'll tell you where it's going to. It's going to the people who don't deserve it. It's going to the actors. How dare you? No, no, no. How dare you? No. Not me. I'm a day player. No, but 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 actually, I guess I think there is a serious side. On the serious side of that, you know what's hilarious to me is a, a lot of film fans who don't actually, and, and there's nothing wrong with this, who don't actually take a lot of time to think about the industry and why should we? We're yeah. watching a movie, right? But they'll go, like when there's a dispute about an actor, well, they, they should just give that actor $30 million for that movie. This, this is the thing that's hilarious to me. A lot of, Casual movie fans will go, yeah, just give that actor $30 million. An actor that will literally stroll in, be on set for two months, recite lines that somebody else wrote, and then stroll out and go on with their life and go on to another thing. And, and a lot of casual movie fans are like, yeah, give them $30 million. They deserve all that money. What about the writers? Yeah. The people who actually write those lines that come out of those mouths? Those people are like budgeting to make sure they know how to pay their rent. I mean, a lot of them, right? Yeah. And if you love Succession, and if you love Top Gun Maverick, and if you love Dune, and if you love The Bear, and if you love Breaking Bad, if you love, guess what? Those all came from WGA writers. Exactly. And they need to get paid. 100%. And when it comes to the SAG negotiations, honestly, it is, I know the actor thing was a joke, but it is that still that kind of, Aaron would describe it as the journeyman actor, right? Your yes. day players, your everyday folks. We're the ones who also are like, could we please be paid adequately for our residuals? That'd be kind of neat because it's different from streamer to streamer. And that's yep. what the writers are focused on right now, too. And it's this idea of I, I, I love a movie star. I think movie stars are great. I, I respect so many of them and I wish I could be like some of them. And that's like the ultimate goal at the end of the day. Right. When you're really thinking about wishing on things and wanting to do your Oscar speech. But most of us just want to be working writers, working actors. And by that, it's just making a livable comfortable wage being able to live in your one bedroom apartment and have heat it's not it shouldn't be asking that much in an industry that has so much money being spread around it just needs to be spread out a little more evenly and i think that's a very fair and reasonable ask and i would love for the the powers in charge to explain to me why is that not fair and reasonable tell me why it's not reasonable to meet these accommodations because I feel like at the end of the day, there's not a workaround of that. Guys, question is for you. Uh, what do you think about this? The writer's strike has uh, now commenced. Uh, what do you think about the proposals going on? Listen, I'm, I'm certainly not saying just give the writers whatever they want. Not at all. But come back to the table and make counter offers here. Mm -hmm. I, I, the writers do start to need to start getting a little bit more respect. The people who actually put in 10 times more hours and 10 times more work and 10 times more creativity than a lot of the people you see on screen, uh, maybe they should get paid. I don't know. Whatever you guys think about this, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move on to our final topic here today, shall we? And that one is this. You know, it's starting to become right up there with who's the next Batman and who's the next James Bond. The uh, movie fan community has been kind of rapidly talking about who's going to be in Fantastic Four ever since they announced at that Disney Investors Day call a number of years ago that Fantastic Four was coming. Everyone wants to know who's going to play Sue Storm, who's going to play, you know, Reed Richards, who's going to play Johnny Storm, who's going to play Ben Grimm, who's going to be Dr. Doom. So everybody's talked about, we talked about a lot on this show, as a matter of fact. Well, 
a new report has come out that's gaining traction around. I thought we needed to address it. That Margot Robbie has been flat out offered the role of Sue Storm. Now, I want to point out something right off the top. Because I had a number of people writing to me, like very excitedly, John, did you hear that Margot Robbie's been offered the role of Sue Storm and you know it's legit because it's coming from all these different news sources. And they listed all these websites that are reporting it. Understand, none of those websites are reporting it. What the websites are doing is telling you that they saw somebody say it and they all came from the same spot, which is one individual's Twitter. Now, a, a reputable individual, for sure, not always right, but a, a reputable one. But I, I just want to make clear that it's not like, you know, all these websites have independently verified that Margot Robbie has been offered. It, they all got the information from the same one person. So I just want to put that out there and make sure we take that with that grain of salt, right? So could this be true? I don't think it is. And that's not to say I don't I don't think anybody's lying. I, I just don't I just don't think the information is accurate. I, I don't believe that this is true at this point um, for a couple of reasons. But here's the neat thing about this report. The neat thing about this report is that it can never be proven wrong. Right. It's and that's not anybody's fault. It, it's it's I'm not blaming anybody for that. It's not. That's just the way it is. It's a it's a report that can never be proven wrong because you can report that Margot Robbie has been offered the gig. Eh, well, if, if, if she doesn't end up being Sue Storm, you say, well, she didn't accept it. <laughs> right. We'll we'll never know for sure. But <clears throat> I just believe that if somebody as high profile as Margot Robbie was indeed gotten to the point that a studio as high profile as Marvel on a project as high profile as the Fantastic Four actually made the high profile move of offering the role to Margot Robbie. <clears throat> I don't think it's just one person on Twitter that this information would have gotten to. I think we would be seeing it in Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, stuff like that. Not that there aren't exceptions to that, and sometimes it does happen that way. It does. I'm pointing that out. Sure. But it's not the norm. It's not the norm. So I don't believe this is happening. I don't believe this report at all. Now, now that being said, if you are like me and don't believe this is true, I think you also, like me, need to keep a couple things in mind about why this is such an interesting proposition. Margot Robbie is an Academy Award-nominated actress. She is a megastar right now. Like, there, there's star, and then there's megastar. Right now, Margot Robbie is a megastar. And I think her upcoming Barbie movie is only going to boost that even more because I'll, I'll tell you what as somebody who did not have a lot of in interest in this Barbie movie after watching all the stuff they showed us at CinemaCon it's won me over I am officially won over to this Barbie movie and and I think it's gonna be good I don't think it's gonna be a billion dollar film but it's just gonna even increase her profile even more so there's that on top of that being Academy Award nominated actress, being a megastar in this business right now. Look at this image. Or where, where'd it go? I don't know if we can bring up the, uh, let's just bring up on screen the full, uh, the main thumbnail here. If we, if we still got the main, oh, yeah. the main thumbnail. Look, come on. 
tell me, look me in my cold, dead eyes, that oh, that nice. is not perfect. Tell me that is not Sue Storm. I mean, that that is pretty much, I think, what a lot of people, since being kids, if you were to envision the physical representation off the comic book page of what Sue Storm might look like, tell me that doesn't look like a whole two scoops of perfect. <laughs> that looks great. She would look great in the role. And you know me, I think looking right for the role should be very low on the priority list. But again, Academy-nominated actress, one of the biggest stars in the world right now. Uh, I think she's she's obviously got experience in the comic book genre uh, playing Harley Quinn. And by the way, even though I did not like Birds of Prey and the Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn, even though I didn't like that movie, I've always liked her portrayal as Harley Quinn. I think she's great in it. But to add to the list, her time as Harley Quinn is probably coming to an end, right? She's even talked about other people maybe playing Harley Quinn and stuff like that. So it's not that big of a thing to say, hey, the dance card's open. She likes doing the comic book films. So look, again, to be clear, I do not believe the report. I do not think that she will end up being Sue Storm. But you cannot discount it as a valid possibility when you actually consider all the pros that go along with it. So I don't know, Chris, you saw this story has mm -hmm. been going around Margot Robbie as Sue Storm. Um, number one, do you straight up, do you believe it, not believe it? And then number two, what would you see as some of the pros and cons for believing it or not believing it? Well, John, as you know, when it comes to Marvel casting, I trust and love no one. <laughs> I have been burned too many times before. And also, I feel like every single day it is a new actress is definitely going to be Sue Storm. Yep. Right? We've already gone through, I think, two this week now because there was the Mila Kunis rumor and now this. That was an and, odd one, the Mila Kunis one. Yeah, that was a well, weird and, one. And when she talked about it on Late Night, too, she was like, I don't know. Apparently, if you have lunch with people, you're in a Marvel movie. What the hell? <laughs> so I really, I really don't think this is factual, although I could understand why Marvel would reach out to her. She's a fabulous actress, an Academy caliber actress. She is super hot right now. She has so many great films. Babylon didn't do as well as everyone hoped. But you she know, was great in but it. But she was really, really great in it. She always delivers. She really commits 100%. Um, Aaron Cummings had the great privilege of working with her, too. Yep, and the Playboy Club, I believe. Yeah. Uh, pff, rude. So. <laughs> was it? No, it was the Playboy Club. No, it? it was the, the airline show. Oh, because Aaron was also in the Playboy Club. Oh, okay. I was like, there was what? a sh There was a one-season show wow. called the Playboy Club. Oh. And I, th I thought that was the one she worked with Margot no, Robbie on. No, I thought it was the one when they were stewardesses. That might Pan have been Am. It. Yeah, there's Pan Am. Yeah. There was also Astronaut Wives. Astronaut Wives. And and there was the Playboy. I thought you were being cheeky. My no, bad. No, no, no. There was, was like... actually a show called the Playboy Club. <laughs> <laughs> never mind. Okay, okay, never mind. But they worked together on Pan Am, and she always talked about how Margot was just so lovely and wonderful to work with and sweet. And, you know, we always Met her like parents. Hearing... Aaron actually had dinner with her yeah, and her parents. Yeah. yeah. And Aaron was like, I think she's going to do really she's well. She's going to be okay. She's going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I would love to see her in the Marvel Universe. I've loved her in DC. I think she's just incredible. But, you know, honestly, I, I think there's so many actresses who would do really, really well with Sue Storm. And it depends on how they're going to have this Sue be, right? We don't really know how this character is going to manifest in this universe yet. And so I would, I think there's a lot of other names on the table that could do just as fine. But if it is her, we're in for a treat. You know, there's another name that's going around right now, which, by the way, I have no knowledge if there's any credibility to it at all. But the name that's being thrown around right right now a lot for Reed Richards seems to be Adam Driver. Yes. Right. Again, I have no 
firsthand knowledge if there's any validity to that. All I can tell you is that I know that he met with some people, but I have no idea if there's truth to this Reed Richards thing. Could you see? I mean, this is really the first couple of Marvel, like mm -hmm. Reed Richards and Sue Storm, right? Could you see? I mean, we've seen Adam Driver with Scarlett Johansson. We've seen, you know, the, these matches. Could you see Adam Driver and a Margot Robbie having good on-screen chemistry? Because that the chemistry of Reed Richards and and Sue Storm is going to be paramount. Yeah, I it's non-negotiable. Could you see that working out well? I think so. I haven't. I mean, I've never seen them do anything together, but I think so. Adam Driver seems to be able to make things work with a lot of people. Mm. He's a great actor too. He's a again another Academy caliber actor. He's so so talented. That's really what I think this is all going to come down to: is those chemistry tests between. Reed and Sue, because if you don't believe that they are, you know, that they're endgame, that they are meant for each other, then the whole thing kind of falls apart. Because if they are going to be that first family, you really, really have to have that connection there. Otherwise, it's totally moot. I still have my money on Jodie Comer being the. Uh, I would love Jodie Comer. She's I, so I still talented. Believe, I still believe she will be the one who gets announced. She's I, great. Again, I'm not saying that's fact. I saw rumors the other day too about Kristen Bell. I mean, there's just. I feel like right now it's kind of there's a blonde actress. Is yeah. she Sue Storm? By the way, I adore Kristen Bell. Like adore. I can't see her as Sue Storm. No. She's. I mean, I could see her in a lot of stuff. I couldn't see her as Sue Storm. Yeah. But, all right, guys. Question is for you. What do you think about this? There are There is a report going around that Margot Robbie has been offered the role of Sue Storm in the upcoming Fantastic Four. I personally don't believe it, but there's enough pros there that I couldn't blame you if you do. So what do you think about this? Number one, do you believe the report? Number two, let's say the report was true. Could you see Margot Robbie playing Sue Storm? Do you think she'd be good in the role? Whatever you guys think, jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, with that down, let's move on now to your viewer questions that you guys have been sending into us anytime, 24-7, to our tip link at streamelements.com slash johncampia slash tip. Send in those questions, and if we deem them appropriate for our show, we'll read them on an upcoming show. So before we get to that, though, let's just take a quick moment and thank, uh, you know, Jody Comer's co-star and free guy, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, who, of course, uh, owns Mint Mobile, still does currently. And our friends, my mobile service provider, Mint Mobile. We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. 
And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for being my mobile service provider. Guys, seriously, if you're not on Mint Mobile, I don't know what you're doing. And for sponsoring this episode of The John Campia Show. All right, guys, with that down, let's get over to your questions that you guys have been sending in. Chris, what do we got? Starting with MC Flurry. So glad WB did the right thing and put Evil Dead Rise in theaters. Saw at the late show opening night and it was packed and that shit was epic. Thought the roof was going to blow off the place when she cranked up that chainsaw. I'll tell you what, did you see it? Yeah, no, of course. What am I saying? What am I saying? I'm such a hypocrite after. I'm like, I have to see movies. I work on a movie news show. I'm like, but not ones that make me feel icky in my tummy and want to throw up. Um, You know, it was absolutely the right move for that because, of course, Evil Dead Rise was created with the thought that it was going to go straight to streaming. (laughs) And they saw it and said, nope, this is too good. We're going to put it. I I, I like the movie. It didn't quite live up to the hype for me. Like, I thought this was going to be like maybe my number three favorite horror film of all time, the way people are talking about it. I didn't think it was that good, but it's good. Yeah. It's it's and it, and they absolutely made the right move putting it on on into theaters. I'm glad you had a good time with it, man. Yeah. All right, what's next? From Bobby Brake, I was at a test screening for a movie that won't be out for a while with tight security. No phones and had to get wanted by a metal detector and the person next to me sits down and pulls out Chipotle from their bag and starts eating it. Ray isn't alone. Aww. Yeah, I, I still remember the first time I saw Ray walk into the movie theater with a big bag of Chipotle and said, <laughs> um, yeah, these, you know what? I have invitations to three separate movies tonight. Three separate. And actually, Ray, I got you a pass for one of them. Oh, no. One, <laughs> one tonight was for the creator. Oh, the John man. David Washington movie that they highlighted at CinemaCon oh, that man. I had not even really heard of till CinemaCon. Oh. There's a screening of The Creator tonight. I got invited to that. There's also a screening tonight as well of uh, Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley and also a screening invite to a Pop-Tart movie. Oh, the J- Jerry Seinfeld? Yes. Uh, is that, Oh, that is the one by yeah. Seinfeld, isn't it? That's right. Um, and the problem is, though, that there's not enough you. There's well, there's not enough me. Uh, Ann and I looked at it, and because we said, sure, we'll come yeah, the to, to the creator one. Because I asked for two extra guests, so because I knew you really liked the look at the creator race, so I was going to bring you too. But then when we got the confirmation, the in tiny letters down at the bottom, absolute NDA, like for a very long time, mm-hmm. like non disclosure. I can't. I couldn't have mentioned it, couldn't have talked about it, oh. couldn't have said a single thing about it. And I'm like, eh, then what's the point of seeing it mm-hmm. right now? I can wait until it comes out in theater. So that's the case. Same thing with, with the actual Foley thing. So uh, maybe it was one of those screenings that you were talking about. But uh, yeah, those happen from time to time. All right, what's next? From TJ, the Horizon mega fan. Day two of tipping until John and hopefully others, Chris, I'm looking at you, watches the Zero, uh, Horizon Zero Dawn, Horizon Forbidden West cutscene movies. Incredible plot, even better visuals, and goosebump worthy performances in the late, great Lance Reddick. I've played some of Zero, Horizon Zero Dawn. What did, you, what did you think of it? It's a stunning game. I, I believe this is the same person who wrote in saying that this is a better story than Last of Us. Oh, yeah, that I have a very I hard time believing. I don't agree with that thus far. I have not completed the game. I should be very I downloaded about it. that. I yeah? just haven't got to it yet. Yeah, it's it's very pretty, and I enjoy the world building they do. It's really, really interesting. But yeah, I think you'd mm-hmm. like it. I, I, I want to I do that, and I want to get to, because I downloaded Jedi Survivor, oh. and I want to get to that too. However, the Toronto Maple Leafs, Tonight, Here we go. again, I haven't been able to say this in 20 years. 
Tonight, the Toronto Maple Leafs kick off their second round. Second round, baby. In the playoffs. Haven't been able to say that for 20 years. And then, as soon as that game's over, Kazan and I got our night plan. Because at 4 p.m. Los Angeles times, the Toronto Maple Leaf game starts. And then at 7 p.m., Ray, the oh, Lakers God, game. Oh, God, no. Second round. The Lakers second round. So we got we got our night pretty much planned. I got I got, I got to say, you know, when the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl, I, I said that's the... I didn't. I don't expect them to win the Super Bowl in my lifetime, but... Just to get to the Super Bowl was a dream of mine. So yeah. that moment was all glory. I even wore the Bengals stuff you did? the day after they lost. So I, I I can feel what you're feeling right now. It's it's probably something special because you probably don't think they're going to win something in your lifetime either. Dude, they haven't won a playoff round in 20 years So like until when, the last week. So when things like this happen, I could, you it's know, exciting. I'm with you on that. And who, Ann's very excited about the Laker game. So. Who are the Lakers on this? Who, who they, they the match? Warriors. They're playing the Golden State Warriors. Warriors. Uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Golden State or not. Defending champs. But, but, but. The Lakers did sweep the regular season series against the Warriors. But, uh, you know, playoffs is playoffs different. Playoffs and, like, the way Curry went off that last game, it's scary. He went off for 50. And to think that Klay Thompson could do this, start doing the same, that's that's trouble. No, like, like I actually think Klay Thompson is the most important player on the goal. I'm not saying he's the best, but I'm saying he's the most important player on the goal. Anyway, let's yeah. keep going here. What's go, next? Go, 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 go. Chris yeah. feels lost. I yeah, um, From Mike Dude, the Flash just screened in uh, Napoli today. Oh, really? Fantastic. Cool. People got to see. I Listen, I got to tell you again, like with all the, the stuff we were talking about, Ezra and all, all that being said, I I love this movie. It is yeah. a, it's a great movie. I think a lot of people it's are really going to enjoy good. it. All right, what's next? Everyone in in uh, Naples forgot about his crimes. It was really <laughs> yeah, oh no, they're all forgotten Smile. about Ezra like, Miller's crimes. Yeah. Like, what a crime. Forgotten. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> what a crime. Oh, is that, <laughs> what a crime. Is that, what it's a crime. What a crime. That's oh the Sicilian gosh. in me that comes out. That was more. wonderful. Oh, my gosh. From Jake Clark, loved Mario as a huge Mario fan, and Black killed it. Hope to get Black as Eggman in Sonic 3. Nah, I, that's, that's, to me, that's a little too on the nose. But that would be good. <laughs> Not to mention, I, you, listen, you can't, it's done. The, yeah, Eggman is now, uh, if Jim Carrey's not come back to play it, you just, you yeah. move on from that character, you move on to other characters now. But, yeah, listen, I'll tell you, one of the highlights of CinemaCon was Jack Black coming out and enacting a synopsis of what the next Kung Fu Panda movie is going to be. It was it so good. It was so fun. It was so good. He's, he's gold. All right, what's next? From The Master of Hexagons. One, leaving Indy 5 and her work outside her tenure aside, what overall letter grade would you give Kennedy as head of Lucasfilm? Two, should Star Wars do a DC-like reboot to mediocre trilogy shows, uh, two mediocre trilogies show hit and misses, Hit and miss, and the OT is 40 years old. Original, uh, trilogy. original trilogy is 40 years old. Would a clean slate be a better route? Well, we only take one question per, per thing. So uh, we'll go with the letter grade for Kathleen Kennedy. Look, I've been saying for over three years, maybe close to four, that Kathleen Kennedy needs to leave. And, and, and she will be leaving here soon. But that's not to take away that she's had some wins. And I know there are brain dead people out there who try to discredit anything that is a win. And anything that was bad is her fault. Nothing that was good because she gets any credit. That's a stupid way of looking at the world. Uh, so I give her credit. As somebody who's been saying for several years that she needs to, to move on, she has some big wins. But the problem is, as I've always said, she failed at the number one job that she had. Well, at the two top jobs that she had. Number one, Make sure that the filmmakers you bring in and you are on the same page creatively 
before bringing them on. They went through so many, it felt like every single project had writers and directors coming and going and all this. Some even in the midst of production already. Some with a movie that was already three quarters of the way done and stuff like that. And she dropped the ball on that. She failed at that. The second most important thing is establish the roadmap and the plan for your franchises are going. Star Wars had no plan. None. And it ultimately caught up with them. But at the same time, Rogue One's fantastic. I, I thought The Force Awakens was great. Mandalorian, for the most part, has been really good. I think there are some wins there. I would give her a C. I, I would give her uh, I would give her a C, but that's me. Fair. All right, what's next? From Suthius, as I was recently watching The Hunger Games and seeing the fashion of the capital, I said to myself, Oh shit, that's today. That's happening. People are wearing that kind of stuff right now. Actors, <laughs> musicians, athletes. Ooh, that is not a good sign. Ooh. Yeah, well, listen, I remember watching a, a, a discussion about the fashion of the Capitol. Uh, was it District 1? Is that the Capitol in Hunger Games? At any rate, and talking about a lot of the influence was taken from modern fashion trends. So it's a little bit of art copying life and life copying art. It's a little bit of that. But listen, honestly, some of the outfits, and I remember I was sitting down with Elizabeth Banks, and she and I talked a little bit about the outfits that she wore in the Hunger Games. And she was talking about that was like the most fun thing for her. Like putting on these outrageous outfits that she knows she could never actually wear anywhere except to maybe the Met Gala. But you couldn't actually wear this outside anywhere, but she loved putting them on. There's some pretty cool stuff in there. All right, what's next? From Roy, saw Mario five times. Granted, it's no Toy Story, but the most fun I had with an animated movie since Toy Story 4. The Lion King remake and both Frozen movies are overrated. Tangled and Zootopia were way better, in my opinion. Mm. Roy brought it to the billion-dollar mark. I, I don't know that I agree with that. Oh, I kind of do. I, I actually think Zootopia is overrated. <gasps> yeah, I really How do. How dare you? I, 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 listen, I just don't, I, <laughs> I don't think the opinion, humor works nearly as well. I don't think the humor in it works nearly. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's a bad film. I enjoyed Zootopia. John, this show is on the internet. There's only two options. <laughs> it's either the best thing ever or it sucks. <laughs> Nothing in between. John Campia says Zootopia is a piece of trash. I liked Zootopia. I but I do feel like it's a little overrated. I I, I don't. That's but a fair. lot of people love it. I love it. Tangled, I think, is a very underrated one though. So that's I why I'm like, oh, I enjoyed Tangled very much. I love much. Tangled. I think it's so good. It's so fun. All right. What's next? From B. Wayne NY, I recently read a Variety article with James Gunn talking about his new Superman movie. My guess is he's bringing back the bright suit, red trunks wearing, fun, Chris Reeve type Superman that the vast majority of the movie audience always wanted. Thoughts? I, I've, never talked, I've never talked to anybody in the movie going on that said they want the red underwear back. I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I have never heard from anybody saying, you know what, I, you know what Superman really needs? He's looking like from 1979. The uh, the red underoos back. That's yeah. what Superman needs. I I've not personally heard anybody say that, but listen, I have heard Gunn talking a lot about it. he's kind of emphasized that listen, the new Superman movie is not going to be a comedy. Like it will have levity in it, absolutely. Most good comic book movies should. Um there it's going to have but I think you're right. I think he'll go with brighter colors. I think he'll, because that was a common complaint. Even people like me who love Man of Steel, I did think the color palette was a poor choice for a color palette for that movie. But whatever, the movie was still absolute genius. Um, but I think he will go brighter colors, a little bit more vivid, a little bit more of a hopeful Superman. Um, and uh, I'm, 
I'm just dying to see what James Gunn does, especially after watching the most recent Guardians. I'm really dying to see what James is going to do with uh, with Superman. All right, what's next? From Andy, last weekend when Evil Dead Rise came, Rises came out, Bo is afraid showing up, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, uh, Chevalier, and Somewhere in Queens were also released. And I got to see them all along with an early screening of Polite Society. Oh, I want to see that. Six of those seven films were original. I'm so glad you brought that up. But by the way, because of CinemaCon and everything, I still haven't had a chance to see the Guy Ritchie movie. Oh, The uh, Covenant. Yeah, The yeah. Covenant. I, and I've been really excited to see that. And again, I'm not going to get to see it tonight because we've got the Lakers and the Leafs game. At any rate. Is that with Jill and Jill? Yeah. Jill and Jill. Yes. Yeah, I love Jack Jill and Jill. Jack, <laughs> Jack Jill and Jill. Um, I, this is the thing that comes up. Uh, listen, when people want to make it sound like they, yeah, I, I'm going to sound cool. Hollywood doesn't make any original films. All Hollywood does is, a, you know what? Every time I hear that come up, I go, let's take a look at the release schedule, shall we? And we go down original, original, original sequel, original, original, original comic book movie, original sequel, original this. It, bottom line is more original film. And please, guys, when you see people say this, remind them of this statement. More original films are made today than in any other time in Hollywood history. That's just a statistical fact. That is a 100% statistical fact. More original films are made today than at any other time in history. The difference is the ones you talk about and notice are the non-original ones. And that's understandable. That's understandable. Because they're, they're, they're usually properties we already know and recognize. So all of our attention goes to that, right? So they talk about, you know, it's like some sequel. And then inevitably, I'll have some kid write to me and say, why don't they make something original instead of doing another sequel? I'll go, did you see this, 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 and this? No. Well, guess what, kid? There are a lot of originals out there. Tons of them. Don't don't get mad at Hollywood that you don't go see them. Go to the movie theater. Yeah, go 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 check it out. Again, the poster child for this, I've I've said this for years. The poster child movie for this phenomenon is the Ryan Gosling, Russell Crowe movie, uh, The Nice Guys, uh, directed by Shane Black. It is a fiercely original, outrageously entertaining movie that ain't no fucking buddy went to go see. Which is a shame. And then and then these so same good. people who don't go see them goes, Hollywood doesn't make anything original anymore. It's a good What's that guy on the internet who does the? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's Colby or something. Yeah, I don't know. He's great. I I can, I can watch those all day. Yeah. But that's what it feels like. It's like every time I see somebody who talks about that, Hollywood doesn't make anything original anymore. <laughs> there's there's nine original films yeah. in in theaters right now. But pinball. Anyway. <clears throat> What's that? Pinball. Pin Again with the pinball. Until someone says they watched it in the chat. <laughs> Jill, Jill, I that's continue. all it takes. Come on, everybody. That's Ray's my, looking for one person to say they watched it. That's my Black Adam reference <laughs> that I'm going to keep doing. So. Oh, you almost killed John. Oh, wait. <laughs> the slider doesn't even catch him. He just literally turned into confetti. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Is that. Is maybe my, he almost maybe spit up my soda. Is my, my credibility and what, what uh, my, uh, my opinion of movies is really that low? <laughs> Where people are like, ah, just let him talk. He'll, he'll <laughs> shut up. It's my black just Adam. Just let him talk. Let him get his thing in and then just it's move on. It's my black Adam. All right, what's next? From, <laughs> from God. Wow. $5 from God? Oh, oh wow. God. John, would I mean, you? <laughs> thank you very much for your support. It just Our says, Lord please stop. <laughs> please stop. <laughs> 
Why is this heathen reading? John, would you be surprised if in the end of Fast 10, they access the multiverse, then they bring the Council of Doms? Family. Okay, without a hint of sarcasm, I no, I would not be diesels. surprised. I, I would not be surprised. They took a car into outer space with duct tape. They did? Yeah, and in Fast 9. Oh, I, I guess I, I'm good at... Did I miss that one? Yeah, you didn't see that yeah, one. Yeah, I didn't make it. Through. It's, uh, look, no, nothing. Listen, they, this, the Fast and Furious series has gone from, hey, I'm a grease monkey. I, I fix cars and I like to race cars to we are the most elite fighting operational team that the government turns to in the moments of their most dire situations and consequences. I mean, did they slowly creep up to that? Or was it just like like part four? They're just elite. It's like okay. I mean, anything they literally had in Fast Nine, Dominic Toretto chained up and using chains to literally pull the roof down of a giant concrete structure, (laughs) and with his arms pulled it down to crush his enemies. Hey man, those arms are filled with baby oil. That's right, so much baby oil. So much baby oil. I don't think that gives you strength. Oh, well. <laughs> so much baby oil. All things it's are possible like with cars. family. <laughs> I mean, so, so though, seriously, you want to ask me, is it completely ridiculous thing at the end that they open up a portal to a multiverse? I'm going to tell you, no, that's not beyond them. It's possible they could do that. That's, oh, I got it. Uh-oh. They went to space, right? Yes, they did. So now they'll race underwater. Well, oh, I was underwater, thinking... baby! Against Navi, with the help of James yeah. Cameron. That's I right. was thinking they were going to drag race on Mars, but I would yeah. again. I wouldn't put it past them. All right, what's next? From Kim Kardashian. Hey. Oh, hey. Oh, yeah. hey, what's up? Why are people more excited that Kim Kardashian wrote than God? Well, I mean, that's I've worked with her. Interesting. interesting. Kim, Kim Kardashian. Kardashian. Woo! Hey, it's nice to you know. Yeah, chiming in. Yeah. All right, what does Kim have to say? Yeah. John, do you think movie theaters would make more money if they didn't serve hot dogs from a middle school cafeteria? Wow, great question, Kim. Listen, Kim. Listen. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Right. If there are Nathan's hot dogs in a movie theater, you bet your ass I'm eating those. Okay, here's you would my sell problem. More, but but the uh, the amount of cost goes up. Here's here's the issue. I have found for the most part, now every once in a while I'll go into a movie theater and like you look at the hot dogs and they look like they've been on the heat roller for seven days mm-hmm. and they look like raggedy leather. But for the most part, <laughs> most part, raggedy leather. I have no problem with the hot dogs in most movie theaters. Here's the problem. They give you the hot dog and then you reach down to grab it in a four day old bun. Like that's to me, it's usually the bun. That, as you can tell, is stale and whatever, and it just kills any enthusiasm. Yeah, listen, considering that movie theaters make 80% of their revenue from concession stand sales, you'd think they put more attention into making quality concessions. Now, that, that being said, and to be fair, AMC has really been upping their game. Oh, yeah, the with, dine-in? With their, with their offerings Ooh. and the food offerings, they have been upping their game. I was just at Regal watching Guardians of the Galaxy 3, the big Regal in Irvine, mm-hmm. California. And I'll tell you what, their offerings, pretty damn good. Yeah. Pretty, so to be fair to the theater industry, traditionally, yeah, it's been pretty lackluster. But I find in generally the theaters are starting to up their game when it comes to their concessions and food offerings. All right. What's next? 
From Nick Parrish, good day, Campia crew. I have to say, John, I'm shocked that in the days since CinemaCon, you haven't mentioned and applauded Chris Aronson for publicly clowning AMC's brain trust and calling out movie ticket prices. Is Chris Aronson Studio Executive of the Year? I love Chris Aronson. He was the guy, uh, he's, you know, the head guy over at Paramount. And at last year's CinemaCon, he was the guy that got on stage and said, hey, movie theaters, reduce the number of trailers you're playing. And I'm like, thank God, finally somebody said that out loud. Because he said, listen, you're playing so many trailers, the audience doesn't even remember what trailers they just watched. Reduce the number of trailers you're playing. And I'm like, preach. Preach it. I love that. Then this year, he was also on stage saying, hey, guess what? Everybody thought that streaming was going to replace theatrical. We realized at Paramount that no, 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 if you want streaming to work, then you got to have good, healthy theatrical. Theatrical comes first, then that feeds streaming. I'm like, Thank you. It's good to hear a studio head finally say that. And then they also talked about the theater system pricing. Now, to be fair to AMC, um, they're not the only theater that started doing this. But yeah, they are the biggest culprits of it. And um, I, I, I mean, look, again, I can only speak for myself and my own personal opinion. I just cannot wait for the day for Adam Aaron to be thrown the hell out of AMC. Well, I, I just can't wait better for that happen to happen. Better after that thing squeezes. But you know, he was told, by the way, if you listen to, if you let Aaron, uh, Adam Aaron tell you, he's the one who was responsible for the meme stock that saved AMC. Mm. I'll never forget that being at CinemaCon and that son of a bitch stood on stage and actually took credit for AMC surviving when the meme stock saved their asses. And he actually stood up there and like took credit as if he was responsible for guiding AM AMC theaters. Remember the stories we covered? They were literally weeks away from having to fa file for bankruptcy, according to all the stories that we were covering. They were they were on life support. He was taking what like billion dollar vacations with a uh, and firing. Well, it's not you no know, great. I'm not going to. It wasn't Adam Aaron's fault that they mm. were about to go bankrupt. I mean, we had the pandemic and all that kind of stuff. And then the meme stock happened. All of a sudden, all their stock was worth all these billions, and they were able to sell off a bunch of new stock, put money in the coffer. Sure, but then, then Adam Aaron, he never even mentioned the meme stock. He just got out there. It's like, oh, you know, we led them through the store. Oh God, I almost I almost got myself thrown out of CinemaCon because I almost got up in my seat and yelled at him. But I, I didn't do that. I behaved. <laughs> All right, animal. what's next? <laughs> oh, no, that was Jeez. it. <laughs> All right, all. what's next? That's it. Oh, that's, oh, that's it? Yeah. All right. All right, guys. And that'll do it for today's installment of the John Gampia Show. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those tip questions. Number one, because it gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported our channel as you did it and all of us involved at the show here. Thank you guys so very much for your support. I want to thank the people in the room with me who've been helping me out. Of course, we got Ray back there has been Jen. We got Jonathan running the show. Chris Carr has been here. And most importantly, you guys. Don't forget to come back and join us again for tomorrow's episode of the John Campia Show. Already working on the notes for that. We hope to see you then. That'll do it for now, guys. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends, go Leafs, go.